0: Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. I want to welcome those of you joining us online this morning or listening by radio uh, today. Also, want to welcome today to the Ward Church Sanctuary a group of people we didn't expect to have in the Ward Church Sanctuary today, and that is the folks from our Farmington Hills campus. We had in <laughs> <laughs> welcome back. Uh, we had intended for today to be the grand opening of Ward Church Farmington Hills, but that has been postponed for two weeks. We knew the building renovations would be right down to the wire, and uh, uh, we've been working on that. we had some delays this summer, and, uh, and I think what happened is we did just enough renovation to, uh, to require that a lot of little things that we had not planned to touch uh, now need to meet the current code, and so we were not able to secure a certificate of occupancy last week. So be praying about that. We have some more work to do. And all of this was determined just three days ago. So we've been scrambling to get the word out. Now we have a group of really friendly people over at the Farmington Hills property right now. Uh, in case uh, people, first timers show up because they saw it advertised um, for months. or or maybe somebody didn't get the memo, and so those friendly volunteers are out there today uh, to give everybody who shows up on the property a a, a warm welcome, a sincere apology, and a gift card to breakfast out on us. And, uh, And some of you want to get up and run to Farmington Hills right now to get your free breakfast, yeah. Uh, A postponement is disappointing for sure, and we we didn't plan it this way, but the title of today's sermon, assigned many months ago, the title of today's sermon is Good Things Come to Those Who Wait. (laughs) Really. We're starting a new series today called Rediscover Church, and it's based on the historical record of the very first church as recorded in the New Testament book of Acts. And today we're going to see from Acts chapter 1 and from our own experience how to wait. How to wait. And I'm really excited about our study in the book of Acts, uh, not just this fall but the whole year long. Uh, I think that every church in the world ought to come back to the book of Acts every now and again as kind of a vision check. To see how our priorities and our values compare to the first community that centered itself in Jesus. Because sometimes we can be so busy, we can be so caught up in what a church does, that we forget what a church is. It's also a great book of the Bible for people who are new to the whole church thing. If you're new to the whole church thing, uh, your ideas and perceptions and expectations are going to be based on the scriptures from the get-go. And you will avoid all kinds of heartache and misunderstanding later. This is a great book of the Bible for new congregations just starting out. It's a, it's a great book of the Bible for revitalizing congregations. It's good for people new to the Christian faith. It's good for people who've been in church their entire lives. Uh, Acts is is a longer book of the Bible, a lot of you know it's 28 chapters long, but it's easily divided into three sections. Consider it a trilogy, and that's how we're going to approach it this year. We're going to start this fall with section 1 of the book of Acts, chapters 1 through 7, and we're going to see the foundations of the church. The passion and priorities of the church, and we built a whole small group curriculum around this. And you can pick up your copy of the curriculum for five dollars today at the Connection Center. It's also available for free online, and there are videos around this. If you're not part of a small group, you can still get the curriculum and just work it through it, uh, work through it with your family or with some other friends. We want to make sure we get the foundations right. And then we'll break for the month of December and do some Christmas stuff. And the new year, we'll come back to the book of Acts and look at some cultural issues the first church dealt with as it, as it first moved beyond a, a monoculture to include people that were different. And then we'll take a little break and then we'll come back to it at the end of the year to see the church go global to the ends of the earth and we'll see how the church became a global force for world change uh, in the end of the book of Acts. Uh, you may want to bring a Bible with you on Sundays. Uh, You may know it's our custom whenever we read a scripture here to put it up on the screens so you can hear it and see it. But sometimes it's nice to read it out of your own Bible or even out of your own Bible app. You may want to, if you haven't, Done this yet? Download a Bible app to your phone. That way, the Bible is with you wherever you go. It's always in your pocket. The one I have on my phone is the U version, Y O U version, the U version. You might want to download that app to your phone. 500 million people around the world have downloaded that app to their phone, and it's always with you. If you prefer paper, If you're like me and you like the touch and the feel of paper and the smell of paper and you need a paper Bible, you can take home the one in the pew pocket in front of you. The the seats in front of you have Bibles in them. You can take one of those, those home and we won't consider that stealing. Uh, from the church. Uh, in fact, we have extra Bibles for this very reason. Really, take one of those home with you. If you're watching online and you need a Bible, swing by and grab one. Or if you live a great distance, I will mail you one if you ask for it. So that everyone uh, has a Bible they can access and read. All right, the Book of Acts is really the second in a two-volume set of books written by a doctor. Anybody remember his name? Dr. Luke. Dr. Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke in which he wrote to somebody named Theophilus. Theophilus literally means lover of God and he writes to Theophilus about all the wonderful things that Jesus did. In the book of Acts, he picks up where he left off and writes about all the wonderful things that continue through Jesus but now uh, by the Holy Spirit through his people. And so let's, uh, let's get into the Acts chapter one today. I'll ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word. Listen this morning to God's Word to us through Dr. Luke as recorded in the first chapter of the New Testament book of Acts. The good doctor writes, In my former book, Theophilus, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. God, would you open this scripture to us now for our understanding and use? We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated, thank you. Well, as the book of Acts opens, we see that this new community centered in Jesus is facing a fundamental change. The the work of Jesus will continue, the church will continue, but it will continue without Jesus being physically present. This is a huge leadership transition. Now we know something about leadership transitions in our own church. We've had young associate pastors and staff members who have fled their wings to go take posts in other places of the state. That is painful, but it's right. Our folks from Grace Chapel have been through enormous change and transition over the last few years. Change can be difficult, change can be fatiguing. Some changes in our church have been exciting. The whole Farmington Hills project wasn't even on our radar a year and a half ago. We have some new energy around some anti-human trafficking initiatives that are pretty exciting. And we have a hundred people in our church who were not here one year ago. Some changes have been exciting. Some changes have been difficult. Some changes we have sought after. And some changes have sought after us. That's true for us as a church. And I'm guessing that's true for you and your family as well. In the book of Acts, there's this incredible transition going on. The disciples had been with Jesus 24-7 for three years. They traveled with him. They ate with him. They watched him teach. They laughed with him. They grieved with him. They took boat trips with him. They cooked with him on the shores of the sea. They were always together. For three years, they had been physically in the presence of God. And now that's going to change. Where the book of Acts begins, the apostles had already been on this emotional roller coaster. They watched Jesus die on a cross and all their hopes were dashed. And then they met Jesus alive again and all their hopes soared and that's where the book of Acts opens. Uh, we read in verse, uh, verse 9, this is the, how it opens. After he said this, Jesus was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid them from their sight. They had been with Jesus 24-7 and now Jesus is gone. He's vanished. What is going to happen now? Talk about change, uncertainty, anxiety. Uh, What are they going to do now? And how did Jesus prepare them for this moment? What did Jesus say to them to prepare them for this drastic change? Here's what Jesus said to them. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. You think that's what they wanted to hear? They're all amped up and ready to go and Jesus says, wait? Anybody here like to wait? People hate waiting. Uh, I was was in a little traffic jam on Six Mile Road, and uh, uh, I was like 12 cars back. The light had changed, but nobody moved. And the car behind me uh, honks their horn. Are you honking at me? Did, do, do you not see the 12 cars in front of me? And he honks, he honks again, and then the car behind me pulls up onto the shoulder of the road and drives past me and the whole line of cars. Now, a few seconds later, it all cleared up, and I drove by and found the guy that pulled on the shoulder uh, ha, ha, was on the side of the road, pulled over by a police officer. I did not applaud, I did not gloat. In fact, I waved to communicate my empathy and and concern (laughs) to him. The guy just couldn't wait. Now, nobody likes to wait and waiting, honestly, may be one of the most difficult things we do in life. I know a man who is waiting for a kidney transplant and every day he looks at his phone, waiting for the text to come in to say that there's one available to him. His life hangs in the balance and all he can do is wait. Some of you might be in a season of waiting now. Maybe you've been anxiously waiting and hoping for a child, but there's no child. Maybe you've been waiting for the results of a biopsy or a medical test. Maybe you've been waiting to see if you got that job or waiting to see if your job survived the last round of budget cuts. Maybe you're waiting for someone to change or for some circumstance to change, or you're waiting for the chemotherapy to finally be effective, or you're waiting for the Lions to win the Super Bowl. It's going to happen. You have to wait. Waiting is hard, transition is hard, and watching Jesus ascend into heaven was the hardest transition this little fledgling movement had ever encountered before, and it left them seemingly fragile. And now all they're told is hurry up and wait. So what do we learn about what they did in the waiting? What do you do do when all you can do is wait? And we're going to learn in Acts chapter 1 that good things come to those who wait. Supernatural power comes to people who are in the waiting Jesus told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem for a very uh, special reason. Did you catch it? Jesus said, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus says in this transition, I'm leaving, that's true, but I'm not leaving you alone for very long. You, you are going to experience God in a whole new way. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. A few verses later, we get to Acts 1.8. This is one of the most famous lines from the book of Acts. But I worry that it's so familiar, it loses the the, the personal feeling behind it. So I want us to read aloud together Acts 1.8. But uh, when we read it, every time you see the word you, I want you to emphasize it. Punctuate it. Everybody got the assignment? Let's read together. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Notice it does not say clergy people will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to be my witnesses. It does not say you who have the spiritual gift of evangelism will receive power to be my witnesses. It says you, ordinary people, You will receive power to do things that you cannot presently do in your own strength. You and the group gathered in Acts chapter one was for the most part a very unimpressive group. They made a lot of mistakes. They didn't have the best track record. These were tremendously flawed people. And they battled insecurity and fear and brokenness. And they heard the promise of Jesus in a very personal way. You, you will receive power. And I wonder if some of you need to hear Jesus say this to you today. You, mother of a preschool child, will receive power. You will receive strength beyond what you know on your own. You who volunteer with teenagers. You who are trying to have a spiritual conversation with your neighbor. You who volunteer with developmentally disabled adults. You are under stress and overwhelmed. You will receive power to do what you cannot do in your own strength and in your own ability. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you in times of change, in times of uncertainty, in times of uh, transition. This is a lesson from the book of Acts chapter one. In the time that remains, I want to give you a preview of coming attractions from the book of Acts. I want to look ahead and see what you and I are going to learn this year. And, and even, uh, I want to issue them as promises or commitments to everybody who signs on to journey together through the book of Acts. A series of promises or commitments, and these are in the notes section of your app. If you, if you haven't discovered that yet, you just click sermon notes, and this is all right there for you. And promise number one is this. In our journey through the book of Acts, you will gain an intimate acquaintance with the most prominent character in the book of Acts. And I want to be clear on who the most prominent character in the book of Acts is. And let's look back and read a couple lines from Acts chapter one. We read this earlier. These lines from Acts chapter one in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. One more. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And again, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. The most prominent character in the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the most prominent character in the book of Acts. The title of the book of Acts, given hundreds of years after it was written, the full title is the Acts of the Apostles. That's the full title, The Acts of the Apostles. And some have suggested that the book would better be titled, more accurately be titled, if it were The Acts of the Holy Spirit. And with that, I will not disagree. The Acts of the Holy Spirit. One writer uh, said this, For Luke, as for Paul, the present age is the age of the Spirit. And for them both, the presence and activity of the Spirit constitutes the great new fact of their time. The prominent, significant fact of their day is that the Spirit is now available. The Holy Spirit is now present and active among human beings. It's interesting that Jesus told his followers to wait for the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, we are going to discover the utter futility of trying to follow Jesus apart from the Holy Spirit. Of trying to do the mission of Jesus apart from the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus says, you might as well not even try. Just wait for the Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit, ordinary people will become gifted and empowered to do extraordinary things. And apart from the Holy Spirit, they can do nothing. Now the problem today is that many people, including a lot of us here, we don't know much about the Holy Spirit. We think of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God the Father. I feel like most of us feel more comfortable with God the Father. God the Son, Jesus, we feel like we know Him him very well. But God the Holy Spirit remains a vague, ghost like mystery to most of us. And so there are all kinds of questions and even debates that come up when you're talking about the Holy Spirit. And maybe you have some of these questions right now. What does it mean to be baptized in the Spirit? The book of Acts talks about people being filled with the Spirit. What does that mean, to be filled with the Spirit? And how do you know if you're filled with the Spirit? And can you be half-filled with the Spirit? What's the evidence of people being filled with the Spirit? What about speaking in tongues? What about signs and wonders? And I want you to know that in this series, all these questions about the Holy Spirit, we're going to deal with directly and head-on. We're going to do it on a weekend that I'm out of town. (laughs) But we're going to hit it head-on. Uh, no, I, I'm excited about what we're going to learn about the Holy Spirit because it's so pivotal, not only for the book of Acts, it is pivotal for the life of everyone who wants to follow Jesus. So let me ask it as a question. Anybody here today interested in being fully open to the Holy Spirit and receiving supernatural power to live a kingdom kind of life, if so, say, I'm in. Amen. Promise number two. This year in the book of Acts, you will grow in your understanding of church as the body of Christ, right? The church is not a building, the church is not an institution, the church is people animated by the Spirit to do the mission of Jesus in the world. And I want to take a look at a a series of verses throughout the book of Acts, and I want you to see the thread that, that runs through this entire book of the Bible. Uh, for example, there's this one. They all joined together constantly in prayer. Acts 1:14. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Acts chapter two. All the believers were together and had everything in common. 2:44. Well, what's the word that, that flows through all these? That's right. <laughs> the word is together. Together. When, when God does something big, God's people are together. God's people don't just go to church, they don't just consume content, they do life together. They're animated and energized by each other. Anyone here wanna have deeper friendships and richer community with people who support you and who are on mission with you? If so, say "Amen." amen. Promise number three. You will learn how followers of Jesus deal with conflict and tension in a way that builds community Instead of destroying it, the book of Acts and the Bible as a whole is very honest, very blunt even, about the kinds of people that were in the early church, the kinds of people that God used. They were ordinary, flawed people. And we're gonna see the tension and problems and conflict that existed in the very first church coming attractions. In Acts chapter 6, we're going to see Hebrew-speaking Christians and non-Hebrew-speaking Christians clash over issues of favoritism. Acts chapter 6. The Apostle Peter is criticized for his methods. Acts chapter 11. Paul and Barnabas disagree and part company. The band breaks up in Acts chapter 15. In fact, I want to look at that one in a little more detail, Acts 15. Sometime later, Paul, this is the Apostle Paul, said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preached uh, the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them, but Paul did not think it was wise to take him. Because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. They had such a sharp disagreement, Paul and Barnabas, that they went their separate ways. And we see in the book of Acts, this early church They had all kinds of problems and tensions and conflicts, and yet, and yet, we are told repeatedly that they lived in one accord because they learned somehow to live together as fallible people and to deal with conflict in ways that foster community instead of breaking it down. Anybody want to learn how to do that? If so, say amen. Amen. Promise number four. you and I are going to be challenged to be bold champions of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Again, I won't go through in detail, but we're gonna see Acts 17, that the Apostle Paul is given audience with a secular group of people. These are intellectuals. They're kind of open spiritually, but they're not people of God. And Paul gives the master class on how to communicate to irreligious people about Jesus Christ. He contextualizes the gospel message in ways that they can understand. He does not quote the Bible to them, interestingly. He quotes their own philosophers and poets. People they knew and respected. The early church is built on an unconditional commitment to help people understand and meet Jesus. And the challenge level for us as we go through the book of Acts is going to be very high in this area. So let me see a show of hands on this one. Everybody, please be honest. How many of you, by a show of hands, have ever shrunken back from sharing your faith? You have shrunken back from telling people about Jesus out of fear that you were going to do it wrong or you were going to be rejected or you were going to be embarrassed. Has anybody here ever held back from sharing their faith? Would you raise your hands? Yep, I think every hand is in the air. Let me show you uh, one of the receptions that the Apostle Paul got when he shared his faith. He was talking to people about Jesus. They were all listening to him. And then it turned this way. Then they raised their voices and shouted, Rid the earth of him, he's not fit to live. (laughs) Anybody here ever have a worse reception than that? (laughs) You are not going to have a worse reception than the Apostle Paul did. So are you interested in helping the people you care about understand and meet Jesus and learning to do it clearly, lovingly, and without fear? If so, please say, Amen. Amen. Lastly, number five. In our study of the book of Acts, you will discover the be- you rediscover the beauty and power of the local church. Whatever you thought a local church, a local group of people, whatever you thought they were capable of, that leadership that, that lid is going to be lifted off, and 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 we're going to see what God can accomplish through a local body of people we will come to see again the church as an agent for change in our world. There is nothing like a local church when a local church is working right. When a local community of believers is working right and when we are the church to each other and to the world, it is a thing both of beauty and power. And we're gonna see that in the book of Acts and it's my highest hope that we will experience that this year. So you and I are going on a journey together this year where we will get intimately acquainted with the Holy Spirit. We will grow in our understanding of the church as a body, as a people. We will learn to become peacemakers, where we will become fearless champions of the irrepressible gospel of Jesus Christ. And we will discover both the beauty and the power of the local church. Do you want to join me for that? If so, please say amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Oh God, we thank you for the written record of the earliest church. We pray that you would use our study to shape us and mold us to be your church for this day. We thank you for the passion, creativity, generosity, resourcefulness, commitment, and Holy Spirit dependency of those early Christian followers and for the legacy they have left for us. Father, it's our desire not just to study the church but to be the church to each other and to a watching world. And so we say on the edge of a new fall season, we are in. We are in, God. You be our teacher and our guide and our leader. Holy Spirit, fall on us. Have your way in us. And to God be the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. And the whole church said, amen.